0: finish up tonight on this uh, lesson series practice makes perfect we, you know, our Wednesdays have, have been kind of broken up so we kind of got out of the rhythm of it but uh, we had started talking about uh, this life that we live practice makes perfect and um, tonight we're going to finish up with uh, and I think it's a, a very fitting last lesson uh, having our eyes on the prize uh, we've talked about why we do what we do that we uh are a community of devotion that we should practice these things together and and as a church we should live a life that uh the community around us can see that we are children of god that our steps are ordered in the path of scripture and we should follow the scripture for our uh, daily walk with god and then um remember talking about uh it's what we do that we need to take action with our faith and we talked about rahab and how that uh, even uh rahab uh her faith the scripture says she was justified by the actions she took because she believed this god that was coming into that land so and so tonight we're going to talk about keeping our eyes on the prize and we're just going to pray for the lesson and get started tonight let's pray together lord thank you for bringing us together once again thank you for the promise that if we gather together in your name that you're here in the midst of us and tonight I just pray that you'll open our hearts and minds to hear what you're saying to the church so we can grow and be better we surely want to be more like you and Lord we want to make it we want to make it home to see you one day and we ask it in Jesus name and everyone said amen if you would clap your hands one more time to the Lord Give him a shout of praise before you're seated. Hallelujah. Thankful for the word of God tonight. Thankful to be in his presence. And thank you again for being in church tonight. The idea for our lesson is uh, because we are called to be righteous, and since God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, uh, there's an expectation on God's people to live a life pleasing for him. Uh, this idea says that since we are called to be righteous, we must see spiritual disciplines. In other words, the things that we see in Scripture, the the life that we live, uh, we must see these things as a means and not an end. In other words, we can't get caught up in just service alone, not realizing that there is another life coming. The Lord does expect us to live certain ways. He he called Israel out of Egypt and he said, and because I am the God that has delivered you from Egypt, be ye holy as I am holy. There would be steps to take to do that. They could not just snap their fingers and be holy among themselves. They could not just live their own way and be holy. The only way to be holy is to live as a holy God tells you, teaches you to learn his ways, to learn about him, to get wisdom and understanding from him. Paul wrote... To Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He's instructing. And one thing I always try to remind people when they read uh, letters in the New Testament, especially these things that Paul wrote to the churches and, and to different these ministers, but uh he's writing this to people who are they're born again, they've followed the plan of salvation, they've been baptized depending their sins, they're preaching the gospel, they're living the life. These are born-again people. These are not unlearned, ignorant people that have no idea about God. These are people who know about God. And he never stops instructing the church. The church should never get into a place where we feel like we don't need any more instruction, that we can't be reminded of things, you know, all through school, things you learn in first grade, second grade, things like that. You'll find yourself remembering those things uh, sometimes even later and maybe even into high school. Uh, And you know why you can do what you do right now in 11th grade? It's because of what you learned in first grade. You build on it. There's a transition that goes on, and even as you grow, you don't forget about the things that got you there. And so Paul is writing to Timothy, but refuse profane and old wives' stables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And so it's very important to recognize in this instruction here that uh, Paul is talking to Timothy about two lives. The life that he is living and the life that he will be living when he's with the Lord there is a process, a space of time, a transition. And he said, now bodily exercise, it doesn't profit very much. It's equivalent to these profane and old wives' fables. It it doesn't profit anything. It's just something you do. It provides a little uh, temporary, uh, you know, relief or, or, or strength. But Ultimately, when it's your time, it's your time. So it, just, it doesn't really profit you anything. People say, well, it, it keeps you alive. Well, it might just keep you alive long enough to get dementia. <laughs> you know, I mean, really? I saw a cartoon the other day, and this old man sitting on a doctor's table, and he's all slumped over and barely hanging to the floor and no hair on his head. And, and he said, this is what all that clean living got you. <laughs> you live long enough to get old, you know. But I guess I'd rather get old, Lord. I'm not asking anything. i just, I'd rather get old. But what I'm saying is that these things, uh, ultimately, in the big scheme, don't add up to much. And he said, "But if you will exercise yourself unto godliness, godliness is profitable unto all things. It has promise of the life that now is." There is no doubt about it that living for God and following him provides the best life going on this planet. If we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled. We have a God that is listening to us that is taking care of us. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He's our healer, our deliverer, our savior, our comforter. There's no doubt the benefits of living for God in this life. People see it. The Lord said, if you let your light shine, Uh, People will see your good works, and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. They're going to see the good life you're living. They're going to understand there's something going on with you. There's no way around it. Living for God is profitable unto all things. It helps us. It blesses us in every area. If we learn how to love Him first, we learn how to love people better. If we learn how to uh, handle our money according to Scripture and living for God, He says, if you give, it'll be given back. Press down, shaken together, running over. You can't outgive God. He's always blessing and giving back. My cup runneth over. There's no better life than living your life for God. It is obvious that uh, exercising ourselves. Under things that please God is very profitable in this life that now is. But I'm going somewhere else. And I've got to remember that uh, if I lose sight of the life that is to come, I'll end up doing godly things for worldly praise. When I forget that one day I'm going to see uh, Jesus face to face and hear him say, either well done or depart. If I forget, Brother Larry, that there is a place prepared for me where there's a street of gold and gates of pearl and, and where all the saints are going to be gathered together. If I forget that there's another life and I get so busy just, uh, yeah, I'm doing church things, churchy things, and, and I'm, if I forget that it's all for a reason, for another life, then I start doing godly things for worldly praise. I start, start preaching so I can get a pat on the back. Instead of seeing altars filled, and so I'll I'll look to I'll I'll custom design my messages so people will hoop and holler and shout, but nobody will pray and weep and repent. We 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 if we if we don't if we're not careful, we, we'll we'll only sing the songs that'll make people stand up and shout instead of uh, break their heart and get it ready for the word of God and uh you know we we we'll start uh witnessing so we can keep up with the numbers so people will know how good we're doing instead of just hey I'm helping somebody get in the gate yeah. so we must remember that as we are practicing to be perfect keep your eyes on the prize and remember why you do what you do because it will profit in this life and it, not only you but somebody else but It's going to be profitable for the life it is to come. And so we must remember that we are in a transition. And I don't want to, in this transition, uh, get lost. Uh, I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to lose my vision. I don't want to lose my salvation while I'm journeying toward heaven. I don't want to look around one day and realize that somehow I'm not following him anymore. I may feel like I'm still carrying a cross, but I'm walking in my own path and walking in my own steps. I want to make sure that I don't lose myself trying to live for God. I don't want to get so busy trying to uh, getting caught up with all the works that I'm doing that I start taking comfort in these works instead of worshiping the one that I'm working for. I don't want to get lost in the house. The scripture talks about a woman who had a set of coins in it. He's, of course, he's given a parable and said one of these coins that was part of a set, it didn't get lost while it was out, somewhere. it got lost in the house. It got lost where it should have been protected. It got lost where it should have been together, but it was in the house. It wasn't outside. It wasn't down the street. It wasn't in another town. It was in the house. It had to turn the house upside down to find where it was at, and, and I don't want to get lost in the house. I don't want to be, you know, we talk about the parable of the prodigal son, and the focus is on somebody leaving and coming back, but uh, uh, when you start thinking about this prodigal son, uh, what happened to him? He, he, he got uh, dissatisfied with what was there. Uh, he, he had everything he could want, and, and he knew that, He just got bored. He got disinterested and he forgot it. And so he left to try to find what he was looking for somewhere else. But it was after he had lost everything that he remembered, hey, in my father's house, he came to himself and he remembered something that he took with him. He just forgot along the way. But it's not just him. The older brother forgot because even though he stayed home, when he saw that they were making a public display for this boy that had been out running with the world and, and uh, they were throwing a party and, and, and feasting and rejoicing, he wouldn't even come in the house but stayed out in the field. And he said, I've always been here. And I've worked for you. And I, I hadn't done all these things. so he's, he's adding up all the things he hasn't done. And he's adding up all the things he has done. He says, and you never gave me a public display and he said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. I didn't have to make a public display. You could have had a party anytime you wanted to, and people would know it, that it's here at your father's house, and it's because I love you and you're here with me. But see, the older son, he had lost sight of why he stayed there. He thought it was so that people could praise him for being such a good son. He thought it was so people could pat him on the back for sticking with your dad. And so when it was time to rejoice over somebody who was lost, which we want to see the people lost, come back home, he couldn't even rejoice in that. He couldn't even get happy about, hey, this is my brother. I don't want to lose sight. I don't want the things that I'm doing to just be a means. I want to remember there's an end. There's an end game. There's a a place we're trying to go. There's a process in this discipleship. I'm trying to get to heaven one day. And so, uh, sure, I, I believe in honor where honor is due and things like that, but, but I'm not uh, preaching for the pat on the back. I, I'm preaching because I was called to preach. I've got to remember that I'm preaching because even almost as, as these fishermen heard on the bank, somebody one day said to me, follow me. Yeah. That I heard the voice of the Savior saying, follow me and I will make you what you need to be. And, and I don't want to take it out of his hands somewhere down the road and start saying, here, I'll finish it. You started me, Lord, but now I'll finish it. I'll figure out the best path for me. You got me going. You got me uh, into this uh, little niche here. People know I'm a preacher, but now I'll take over. I've seen so many people of God do that. I've seen them get started with God and, and get filled with the Spirit and then take it out of his hands and say, Now, don't worry. I'll, I'll customize it to my own thing, and I'll do my thing, and I'll start my own show. But you know what? Uh, you can never do what God can do. And you'll never be able to make it as good as God could make it. And you'll always have to compromise because you're unable to produce what God can produce. So you'll always have to try to have some fillers, some worldly fillers to make it attractive for people to come in. That's where all these preachers that walk away from truth and they start building these big giant churches. You know why? They ain't doing it on the truth. But when you compromise and walk away and turn away on that journey... Uh, i got to have a big church, so if I have to stop preaching baptism in Jesus' name right now, I'm going to do that just so I can get people in. Or I'll stop preaching holiness for a while just so I can get people to come in. I'll, I'll, I'll stop preaching separation from the world just so I can get people to come in. It'll never work. It'll just be a gathering of people. You want to have a whole house full of people that can't be saved it's because you won't preach to them? I don't want to uh, try to... Make this happen myself. There is a process that we're in, and and uh, we must remember as disciples, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize, and and ultimately that is uh, doing what God wants us to do. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Make sure that I am uh, not just working, doing churchy-looking things. I don't want my uh, salvation. I, I, you know, we, we make the say he's the God of my salvation. He is. But some people treat that and equate that to he's the God of my Sundays or he's the God of my seasons because that's the only time they pay him any attention. That's the truth. As they, it's, 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 it's not a seven-day-a-week there's no cross carrying, but there's a, a, a form of, uh, they, you know, they come in, they sit, it's, it's Sunday, whew, here I am, and uh, you know, why they call him the God of their salvation on Sunday, it's called Sunday, they repent for the life they lived the whole week prior to Sunday, instead of living your life every day for God, instead of picking up your cross and carrying it daily, the cross Uh, Things don't go to the cross to to be happy. Things don't go to the cross to rejoice. Things go to the cross to die. And when we carry the cross weekly, daily, our flesh is dying. Paul said, I'm crucified with him uh, daily. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But I live in him. But my flesh dies when I keep that cross. If you lay the cross down, you can't live for God. Because your flesh will just stay alive. You've got to be able to get rid of that stuff. So there's a, a progress, a process, a discipleship. And it, we start out, we're, we're the old man. And somewhere we hear that call. We make that decision to live our life from him. And our our old nature has got to go away. So that we can now live in the newness of life. And as we're headed from the old nature to the new nature. If we're not careful, we'll get lost. If we're not careful, we'll get caught up in uh, uh, the spiritual disciplines associated with this transition and we forget the ultimate purpose of discipleship as to be like him, as to reach him, as to get to where he is. I want to make sure that I'm not just doing things over and over again with no profit. I don't want to just, uh, hey, let's see what I can uh, Google and look up and something I could preach that will make people flip out this week. We need to not be worrying so much about making people flip out when we preach as making them repent when we preach and turn to God when we preach. Oh, I can't wait to preach this. It'll blow their mind. I'm not so worried so much about blowing your mind as I am helping you get out of a situation or get out of sin or or get your life back on track or or see how God's taking care of you. I'm trying to help you. And that's what our our, our goal should be. The, the scripture says that the ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints, so they could come into the unity of the faith. Not so they could walk around with their minds blown. Go out. You know, that's great if you hear a message and say, "Whoa, that blew my mind." I've said that before, but if it didn't do anything but blow my mind, because I've heard some messages that blew my mind and I thought, "Where in the world was that cat coming from?" And so just because it's blowing your mind don't mean it's helpful. Yeah. It might be mind-blowing or it might be mind-numbing. I want to make sure it's moving me. I want to make sure I am hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church. I want to make sure that my ears are open. I don't want to lose myself along the way. I want to make sure that I'm hanging in there and that I'm keeping what God wants me to do. I want to make sure I'm doing it for the right reasons. In uh, Colossians 3 and 23, he said, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Again, this is what he writes to the church. Hey, while you're doing things, remember, you're doing this unto the Lord. When you preach, you're preaching, you remember that God's watching you. When you are testifying, worshiping, uh, outreach, whatever it is you're doing, you remember you are doing this as unto the Lord and not unto men. Not to be a, a man pleaser, but to be pleasing unto God. I want to make sure that I realize who hired me. I don't want to think that just having a talent's enough. There was three men that received talents from their Lord. And two of them was busy working with the right purpose in mind. And one of them said, I'm just going to sit on it. It's enough to have a talent. No, it's not. He said, I, I, I knew all about you, but this is what I decided we should do. We should bury it so you'll just have it when you get back. The rest of them knew. He didn't give me a talent so I could sit on it. He gave me a talent so I could use it. The talent has power. It has ability to to double. It has the ability to grow. I must make sure that I am using what God used me because I know he's coming back one day. I don't want to be caught just holding my talent because I thought, hey, I'm in the talent club. I want to make sure that I am doing what God called me to do. Paul would write uh, to the, the churches, he wrote to Ephesus uh, in Ephesians 4 and 5, how that uh, the disciples' development in Christ is a process of minimizing the old man and maximizing the new man. Almost like the words of John the Baptist, I must decrease and he must increase. Uh, and that's, that's true. We can't, uh, we can't let this old man ha- have more time In our life. Than the new man does. If we come to God. If we repent. Baptized. And we feel the Holy Ghost. And that's all we do. We have not done enough. Because there is a. You've heard me say this. There is a life. To live. After you are born. Just like you're. After you're born in the natural. There's a life to live. And it don't just happen. It takes people to teach you. It takes you learning on your own. For you to live in this world. And. When you come to God and you're born again, guess what? That new spiritual life don't just happen. You're going to learn to walk. You're going to to crawl and walk before you start running. You're not just going to take off. And guess what? It's going to take some people teaching you, instructing you, correcting you, praising you. All of it. It takes all of it. And helping you all along the way. And you'll never be so big that you learn it all. Uh, In this natural life, you never learn it all. You could learn up and as long as you've got your faculties about you, you could be learning something new every day. And if we think we've ever learned it all when it comes to God, look out, Uh, you're headed in the wrong direction. We are, but we've got to make sure that the old man is not getting any time. Paul talked about a war that was going on inside of him and he said, you know, there's this battle happening inside my, my flesh, my spirit. They're warring, and, and uh, you know, you, you've got a uh, whichever one you pay more attention to is the one that's going to get the upper hand. If you spend more time with carnal things, you'll be carnal, and you won't see any spiritual solutions. But if you will spend your time in the spirit and you'll spend your time with the things of God, that that spirit man's gonna he's gonna win out. The Bible says that we can uh, subdue this flesh or we can uh, mortify this flesh through the Spirit. And so there's a battle, but the Spirit's not going to move inside of you and say, just sit back, I'll take care of this. You've got to release that Spirit. We've we got to live in the Spirit. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to walk in the Word. If you don't pay any attention to the Word or any attention to God, and you say, I'm just going to sit back and let the Holy Ghost whoop everything. It ain't gonna do it. It's not going to do it. It will not just fight your battle without you having any concern about it. I'll just do whatever. You just you just keep punching, Holy Ghost. Just keep on punching stuff. Keep on wiping stuff out. Oh, you've got to pray in the spirit, live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. Build yourself up in the spirit. You've got to make sure, maintain that spirit. It doesn't get old, it doesn't get weak, but if you don't release it, because you can quench the Spirit, and so I'll make sure that I'm not quenching the Spirit, that I'm giving more time to the new man than I am the old man. Paul mentioned that if I build again the things I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And so, in other words, don't the things that God washed away and the things that God got out of your life, quit digging them up. Quit hanging out with them. Quit holding hands with it. Quit revisiting it. Quit flirting with it. Quit trying to look and see if you can sneak a peek at it. Leave it alone. Let it go. God threw it away. Quit trying to look behind his back and see where it's at. Quit hanging around it. There's got to be a separation. God didn't die, shed his blood to minimize sin he he died to do away with it. Hey, let me just ease the sting up a little bit no he 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 come to do away with it, and so you don't get to say, well I, just you're my comforter, so just comfort me in my wrongdoings. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to make sin tolerable for you. He wants it to be out of your life he wants he He died. To wash away all sin. He had to spill his blood to get rid of that sin. How do you think he feels about people who want to hold on to it? How can you look him in the how could you ever look him in the eye and say, I can keep this, can't I? How could you ever go before him in prayer and say, Well, I can hold on to this, can't I? Oh, I, I just let them beat me so I could get rid of that, but sure, hold on to it. What? I just died so I could deliver you from that, but hey, whatever. No, that's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, you, you can hold on to it if you like, but you're not going to be accepted with me as long as you do. Come out from among them and be your separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean things. God, uh, it ain't just preachers that talk about being separated. God talked about people being separated. I do not want to lose myself on this walk with God. I want to make sure that I am living my life for him like I should. And so I've got to get rid of this old man. I've got to put him down. I must decrease. He must increase. And so Paul would, uh, in, in Ephesians, He talked about uh, and illustrated various elements of the old and new. He, He painted a picture of our past and then one of our future. And so he would remind the church, hey, these are the things that are going on. These are the things you've got to remember because there's coming a day. And just like every preacher ought to remind his congregation every once in a while, hey, saints, there's coming a day. There's coming a day where there's no more, hey, just give me another week, I'll get that right. Give me another day, I'll get that right. Give me one more service, Lord, I'll get that right. There's coming a day where that day won't exist anymore. And we've got to make sure that we are working and striving to get it right now. There is nothing worth losing out with God over. Nothing. There ain't nobody worth losing out. Nothing, nobody. I'm telling you. Whatever is offered to you in exchange for you living right and living for God, it's got to go because it is not worth it. What would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and then lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What what could you possibly trade eternity for? What do you think here, just anything that you could have that would be worth missing heaven for there ain't nothing worth missing heaven for and so we must remember that that God has brought us out he's 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 helped us he's fixed us and 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 we've got to put on this new man and live our life for him and remember that the things I do I do because one day I'm planning on hearing him say well done good and faithful servant I I'll never forget it. Uh I I guess or I hope I don't forget it. Anyway, but Sister Vesta said a couple of years ago when we were at because of the times that she was speaking that day and she said, "The Lord cannot look at me and say well done,' if I have not done well." And but I'm telling you that little simple statement just sent shivers down that whole room because it was what a truth just slapped everybody right in the face. He cannot say well done if I have not done well. And so I've got to do the things that he called me to do, and then I've got to do them with the right attitude, with the right purpose in mind, that I'm going to see him one day, and he will be the one who lets me in or keeps me out. He's either going to put me to the right or to the left. It's going to be up to him. I want to make sure that I'm in the right place when that comes down. So our old life, uh, Paul wrote in the, in Ephesians, is one that's uh, led by a, a futile mind and darkened understanding, and it alienates us from God. Ephesians four seventeen. he said, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Paul was talking to the church, and he says, I'm telling you, that you don't get to walk like the rest of this world walks. That's who you were. That's not who you are. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. The old man's got to go, and once you come to him, you've got to live with him. The Bible says, if we name the name of Christ, then depart from iniquity. If you claim to be a Christian, hard to claim it when you're caught right in the middle of your mess. Yeah, it is. When, when, uh, you, if, people are, if you're sitting in a place stoned out of your gourd, trying to tell somebody how big a Christian you are, Hard for anybody to buy that. I'm not saying that people who are Christians can't make mistakes and end up stoned. But if that's the life you live, oh no, man, God loves stoned people. Yeah, he does. Stoned people ain't going to make it in. Uh, I I kill a few people every week, but God still loves me. I, I know the Lord. Yeah, you know what? He loves murderers. But they ain't going in. I lie all the time. Hey, guess what? God loves you, and He hates you. Because God hates liars. <laughs> guess where liars go? Fire. That's what we used to tell our kids. Hey, you know where liars go? Fire. Oh, <laughs> I won't go to the fire. <laughs> you quit lying. It's the truth. There ain't no. All liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire. God said it. Oh, you don't teach your kids that. Why? Because I want them to grow up and be liars? No, I don't want them to grow up and be liars. I want them to tell the truth. And if I have to show them the consequences, you didn't ever pull a belt off and say, if you don't behave, this is what you're fixing to get. And they straighten up because they didn't want that belt. They don't want that fire either. I didn't have to say that every time. They knew it. Tell Tell them one time, that's it. They got it. No fire. I didn't hold it over them. I wasn't cruel to them. I loved them. But you don't want to go there. Don't lie to me, son. You're a mean daddy. No, I'm not. I love my kids. I don't want them to go to hell. So I tell them, you don't lie, steal, cheat. You live your life for God. Oh, you'll be okay. You're a good kid. Good looking Nice, make good grades, you'll go to heaven. That ain't got a thing to do with it. Are you living your life for God? Are you letting the old man stay in that water grave while the new man walks in the newness of life? Knowing that you're headed in a destination. Paul said that this, this, new, this new life, there was a new life to live that was worthy of our calling. In Ephesians 4 and 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of, of the vocation wherewith you are called. He's telling you, there's a life you can live that is worthy of this calling. And he said, I'm telling you, you got to live that life. Once he's called you, you don't just get to do whatever you want to do. And it's not that God took free will away from us or joy or happiness away. He took away all the things that would kill us, the wages of sin or death. He took away the things that would destroy us. I know that it's probably old-fashioned to this world today for people to actually live for God, to be God-fearing people. The world has its brand of Christian, and it's mixed up in every kind of thing you can think of. But where will the people of God be? The ones where signs and wonders are following. The ones where uh, they stay away from the things of this world. For they won't load themselves down with weight and sin that will so easily beset them. But they run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus. That they pray about things. They seek God. They go to church. They love living for God. They'll praise God without worrying about what somebody thinks about it. They won't partake of things that uh, everybody else is doing. Where, where will those people be? Where will, where will that happen at? So Paul's telling us there's a new life to live, and it's worthy. You can live a life that is worthy of this calling. That means to follow the things that we're supposed to do. He declared that we become and remain united together, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is what the new man is supposed to be doing. Becoming like him means that uh, we're going to be truly righteous and truly holy in verse twenty-four, he said, "In that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." Have we put on that new man? That's more than joining a church. I'm talking about have we put on that new man, where our life is now different than it was before. And I don't. I'm just. I'm even if you were raised in the church, did you finally hit that point where you said, "Now I'm going to obey God." And serve him like the scripture says to serve him. Because whether you was raised in church or raised on the street, there's going to come a time where both have to come together and realize that we all have got to do the same things to be saved. If you, was, if you was born on the pew, if it got that desperate, and you was actually born in the church and then raised there, you was back for dedication the next week. If your first solid food was a communion wafer, <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, the you know, first thing you have had in a bottle was some juice out of the communion. I mean, if it, if, it was, if it was like that, still you had to come to a point where you realized, I have got to do what God said to do. And if you didn't know nothing about it, but sometimes you met God head-on collision, boom, there we are. He's beating on my door. I'm going to open up and see what he wants. I let him in. And now he came in, and, and now we're fellowshipping, and he's letting me know I've got to repent, I've got to be baptized and filled with his spirit, and now I've got to live for him. How could you ever tell somebody you're born again when seven days a week you're fall-down drunk? When you're in jail doing time for... Uh, stealing and murder or whatever, you know I mean? He's just like, I, he wants you to live a life for him, a life that is worthy of that calling. Does he know that you're not perfect? Sure he does. He remembers our frame. He knows we're dust. We've got to quit using that as an excuse to be sloppy and straighten ourselves up and live our life for God. We have got to stop looking for loopholes in serving God and straighten ourselves up. The Bible says for me to keep myself unspotted from the world. I have a responsibility. He's already done the hard stuff. He's already done the miraculous. It's not hard to live for God. It ought to be a, a, a desire. Well, I have seen people put so much effort into getting themselves healthy. I I used to uh, work out with these guys that I never did any of this competition bodybuilding stuff, but I worked out with some guys that did. And I tell you, they were insane. The things they would eat and the things they would drink, these shakes they would drink tasted like awful. You can't even believe it. It's Terrible, but, well, they were chugging them and and eating like crazy and workout schedules like crazy, and some of them taking pills and taking shots and doing all these things because, well, they were going to be. They put so much effort into making sure they were going to, this was their life. It was everything it consumed them. and Man, how much more uh, should it, we just, like, I want to make sure I am doing everything I can to line up with God. Because bodily exercise profits little. But godliness is profitable in this life and the life to come. How much more should we spend time digging in this word so we have understanding and wisdom and knowledge about the one who died for us? So we want to know, how do I, how do I live for God? How about pick this book up and find out? We'll read books about how to get, how to get thinner, how to get bigger, how to get taller, how to get smarter. How not picking up this book and learn how to be holy and righteous and acceptable under God? Hey, the Bible says I need to be a living sacrifice. There ain't a no website for that, but there's a book for it. There ain't no pill for it, but there's a spirit there to help you do it. How about we just put as much effort into improving ourselves in this world, uh, we would put as much effort in getting ready for the next world. Uh, oh, you know what? People say, "Man, you going to the gym again?" Yeah, that's what I do. You ain't scared to say it. You you, you mean you you you're, you're working out uh, some more? You're gonna take some more pills? You're gonna you're gonna eat again? Yeah, I got to put on 40 pounds so I can get to my competition. You you, you it don't even bother you to say it. As ridiculous as it sounds, you mean you gonna get up on that stage in that little bikini and let everybody look at you? Yeah, you don't even care. Yeah, I'm gonna put that little old uh, bathing suit on and stand up there and let people take pictures of me while I'm all oiled up flexing my muscles. You don't even care, and it's ridiculous, and it's funny looking, <laughs> but you don't care because that's what, that's what I do. This is my life. Oh, my my boss came today. I would not lift my hands and worship. They'd be asking me about it on Monday. All my friends from school are here. I better not do anything. They'll be telling everybody else at school that they saw me laid out on the floor speaking in tongues. My scared to be, who afraid to be. I understand using wisdom about things now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, well, my friend came today, so I'm going to slap the wig off and 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 you know and knock them across the aisle while I'm shouting. I'm not saying do that. How, you're going to use some wisdom, but but wouldn't be some the Lord's going. Hey, you need to step out now. No, my friend's here. Oh, that, that that guy's here. That girl's here. I can't do any of that. You know, what if we put as much into being who God called us to be? And he didn't call us to be fools and be clowns. But this world calls what we do foolishness. That's them. And so I'm not embarrassed to Worship God in front of people, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm gonna go up and grab a first-time visitor and say, "Come on, let's take a victory lap," because they don't know what that is, and that's how you start things. Rights in the church, you don't, you don't do things like that. It sounds, I know. I think about it I laugh to myself sometimes, thinking about it, but I wonder. if we've tried to you know, get so professional in what we're doing to make it so perfect to make it so we're trying to hone it down so it's not offensive you know when I came into the church people was falling out on the floor they were speaking in tongues they were running the aisles they were shouting and jumping hair flying all over the place I'd never seen anything like that in my life you know what that was about but it didn't make me want to run and hide. I I kind of kept my distance for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I figure out what this is about. But I remember I told somebody the other night about brother. First time I ever met this older preacher, Brother Jones. I wasn't even in church. I was visiting that weekend, and he'd done preached, and he was an old guy. He was old then, and he he preached real slow. Real monotone, and man, you'd go to sleep if you weren't interested in what he was saying. He was, his voice was relaxing, but I mean, he looked like he was ninety then. But he come back there that night after that service, and you know, people meeting you and greeting you, and man, his hand looked like it was about that long, and he was an old guy. Old, and he grabbed my hand and looked at me, and he said, "I know you better than you think I do." I'd never seen him in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm like this, <laughs> looking at him. You know, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. He was burning the hole through me with his eyes. Mm-hmm. But he said, "I'm," he said, "You're not going to be sleeping much at night. I'm going to be praying for you." Then he turned loose, and I was like, "What in the world was that?" That was on Saturday. On Wednesday, I was in the altar. With them hands in there, going, God save me. He wasn't ashamed to be what God called him to be. And it didn't scare me. I just didn't know what happened. It's going to take something to happen to get people out of the world. And we can love them while compelling them. You know, we, we, I think you know, we worry so much about, whether well, it's not going to seem loving that we hold back. But, you know, if chastisement comes with love and correction comes with love, sometimes that prodding alone can come with love too. Hey, we used to have people, if they were visiting with somebody, they'd say, hey, you want to go down to the altar and pray? Nobody invites their, their, whoever they brought to church that day to come down and pray anymore. Hey, you want to go down and pray? Because they're afraid they'll freak out. But just ask them. If they say no, they say no. Well, I'm going down there. You want to go with me? You know, something. But no, instead I'll just stay back here with them. You know what? Leave your visitor in their seat. And let them see you do what God called you to do. And if you turn around and they're gone, call them when you get home and say, Where would you go? You know, but, but don't not be who you are. And don't be afraid. You know, if, if they say no, they say no. But you have been who God called you to be, and you have done what God called you to do. And so, you know, uh, live your life for God. Be intentional about living for God, because you ain't gonna accidentally be saved. you ain't gonna accidentally make it to heaven. You don't accidentally get baptized, and you don't accidentally get filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything that happens to become a new creature in Christ is intentional. There was a design and a plan, and there had to be somebody obeying it for it to happen. So you're going to have to be intentional about living for God. You're going to have to get up in the morning and say, Today, today. I will live for God. If you've got something you're struggling with, then you have to wake up and say, today I am not going to give in to that addiction or that problem or, or whatever it is. I'm not going to get uh, crazy angry today and, and slap people or whatever it is you do. But today I'm going to be kind and tender-hearted and love people and forgive people just like Jesus did me. And... You want to talk about blowing people's mind? Just do that. Be kind. Be tender-hearted. Love people. Forgive them. Show them mercy. Show them compassion. The Bible says, "Having compassion on some, making a difference. Some you gotta save, pulling them out of the fire, pulling them out of the fire. That's intentional. You gotta take the risk." Sometimes, just like a, a firefighter runs into a burning house to pull somebody out, sometimes you're just going to have to get right there and face them in their mess so you can save them. Hey, you got to cut this out. You're going to die. You're going to go where you don't want to go. So I would never tell nobody who's going to hell if they don't stop it. It's just like somebody's driving toward a brick wall. Hey, if you don't stop, you're going to hit that. now. I won't ever hit it. Grace will keep me from hitting that wall. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. You keep living like you're living, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to end up in. And I love you enough to tell you that. If we believe that there's a, a hellfire, why in the world? If you knew somebody, if your best friend was fixing to go to their house and you say, hey, I know for a fact somebody's waiting inside to kill you when you get there. Well, I don't want to tell them, it might offend them. You'd be holding on to them, you'd steal the keys. You'd Pop the tires. You ain't going home. Because if you do, somebody's in there, they're going to kill you. I know it. I've got information. It's a fact. It'll happen. Well, you know what? The Bible talks about how people are going to end up in the wrong place. And if your best friend or somebody you know that you love, that you say you love, hey, you know, talk to them about the Lord. They don't stop. You might just have to tell them, "Hey, you know what? Hell's just as real as heaven, and people's going. You don't want to be one of them. It's time to examine yourself." Who's y'all ready for me to stop? Whew. Stop, preacher! Stop. We've got to remember why we're doing what we're doing. He that wineth souls is wise. We're laborers called to the harvest. We are the body of Christ. We're workers together with him. Every action that I do is not uh, for accolades in this world. It's because there's an end game. There's a life coming, eternity coming. The books are going to be open. People are going to stand before the judgment. People that I preach to are going to stand at the judgment seat. People that I worked with, people I went to school with, People that I interacted with in restaurants and supermarkets and wherever else, people are going to stand before the judgment seat.
1: I've
0: got to figure out how to get out of this now. Listen, let's live our life for God. Practice makes perfect, there's an end game. Let's don't get caught up in doing things that that don't mean nothing. You remember years ago, some of you old enough to remember this, in in school, we had to take the presidential fitness test in PE. You remember doing that? It was like you had to see, you could do so many sit-ups within a minute, so many push-ups, so many jumping jacks, so many pull-ups. You had to jump rope for so long. And then you had, it was like you had to run a certain distance in a certain amount of time. And if you did that, you got a certificate, had the president's signature on it. it was the president's P.E. fitness award thing, whatever. And, you know, the people who always did the best at it were the ones that were already like football players and basketball players because they were already used to doing this kind of stuff. But you get these guys that were little science nerds and bookworms and stuff like that. You know, they can't run a mile. They was failing. Wasn't nobody getting a certificate. None of them guys getting a certificate. They couldn't climb no rope to the ceiling of the gym. They couldn't do stuff like that. But, you know, it was th- these athletes, they were able to do that because these were the exercises they did to become better athletes. It was an end game. Well, now they have competitions just to see how long you can jump rope. Not so you can be a better boxer or a better football player or a better baseball. Just hey, let's see how. All it is is about the exercise, but there's no end game. Just hey, I can do. I can jump rope for eight minutes straight without dying. I, I can do six hundred sit-ups in a minute, and you know. And uh, why are you a boxer now? No, I. I actually a school teacher. What's Having abs like that got to do with teaching school, you know. What's a, you know, there's no end game in, in it. They just do it, just to do it. They're, they're stuck in the calisthenics of it, and there's nothing. It, it don't mean anything. I don't want to just be, well, I can, I can preach a thousand messages and make them shout every time, get a big pat on the back. Get my own website, whatever. Get me a helicopter or a jet plane. Blow on people and make them fall out, whatever. I won't have some kind of motive that promotes me. Look what I can do. I don't care. I've told God this more times than I can remember now over the years. I don't care if anybody remembers my name. Just let them remember you. Just let them know just let them be saved. If I, when we would preach revivals, I would say that in every prayer before I preached. God, I don't care if they remember who I am at all. Just make sure they remember you. Make sure that you get through to them. So we've got to remember that there's something else coming. Paul said that very well when he wrote to the church in Philippians. He said, I'm trying to apprehend the thing that I'm apprehended for. I'm chasing after something. He said, I hadn't got there yet, but this is what I do. I forget the things that are behind, and I reach forth, and I'm I'm, I'm pressing forward for the prize. There's a prize. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to know all I can about Jesus. I've counted everything that was in my life that was good. I've counted just waste so I could know him. It was all about him. Anything I do now, any preaching I do, any traveling I do, Anything I go through, it's all for him. That's the attitude to have. Paul's writings on that in Philippians, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the guideline. He, he told us to follow him as he follows Christ. That's the example. Realize I have not yet attained, but this one thing I do. I haven't apprehended it yet. I haven't caught it all yet. And I won't until I walk through that gate. But right now, I'm going to keep on doing with that goal in mind. I'm going to keep on with knowing that one day I'm going to see him face to face. One day I am going to see Jesus face to face. And I don't want to be like some people who maybe forgot why they started. Lord, didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? And he's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. You might have done it in my name but you never you know, there's a lot of people identity thieves. They do a lot of things in people's name never got the okay from the one who has who actually has the name. There's a lot of people use his name today, especially it's a great marketing tool either for negative or positive. They take his name and they print it, they write it, they use it, they stamp it, they paint it. It's on cars, it's on shirts, it's on tennis shoes, it's on anything you can think of. He is a great marketing tool today. That's what this world has turned him into. And it's the name above all names. Maybe it's just my two cents, my opinion, but I think you ought to be careful about what you write his name on. What you put his name on. A name that that saved you, I think you ought to be careful about what you put it on. It's a name that's above every name. I better stop. Let's stand together. I'm glad to be his disciple. I'm glad to serve him. I want to make sure I remember there's an end game. I want to make sure I remember that there's a reason that we're here. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. That we should show forth the praises. We're supposed to show forth praises. We're supposed to be living a life for him. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him. That's our reasonable service. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not be conformed to this world. Don't be spoiled by philosophy and vain deceits after the tradition of men and rudiments of the world. But you know, we're supposed to be looking at him looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith I want to keep my eyes on him I want to keep running this race with patience and I want to make a difference before I get there I want to make a difference for the kingdom let's find a place to pray in the altar for a few minutes before we go tonight and I think it'd be great just to ask the Lord search me Lord make sure of my intentions Lord I want to make sure I'm right with you, God. I want to make sure I'm on the right path, God. service tonight we love you appreciate you so much the lord willing we'll see you on sunday look forward to some great church invite somebody to come with you gonna have a great time the holy ghost god bless you dismissed in jesus name